Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. That'll be a suspension. That'll be a fine. Alive, I'm 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 alive. Hey, what's up, everybody? Knuckles here. Yeah, my favorite segment, Ask Me Anything. My man, Matthew Kempto. What's up, Matthew? We're going to talk to the fans again today. We answer, love to answer their questions and have some input to, to what's going on with the podcast. So let's fire away. Yeah, after the last episode, we got a lot of, a lot of responses. So we're going to break down some of the questions that you guys submitted here. And the first question is going to be about the current NHL and the Montreal Canadiens. So what is one thing you would do to change the Habs' direction? Can't use the coach because I think they finally made a good hire from David Caruso. Oh, what would I do? I'd stay on the path they're on. Um, listen, I think by the way they've drafted uh, recently, uh, Slapkowski, yeah, first overall, but there was a lot of uh, talk about taking Shane Wright, this and that. Listen, it shocked a lot of people, but one of the things the Canadians had to do is, is get a bigger team and a more talented team, stronger up the middle. Uh, Slavkovsky was probably the shot across the bow that alerted everybody that, listen, this is the direction that this team has to go. I'm a firm believer in having big, talented hockey teams. I think a lot of guys that played this game and understand this game know that. Uh, It takes um, certainly talent, don't get me wrong, but um, in the playoffs, you have to have a big, strong team that is able to withstand the rigors of round after round of highly intense physical play. And you got to be able to be standing at the end. And you look at the teams who've done it. All the teams that end up winning the Stanley Cup, you, listen, you might have a couple of smaller players on that team that are insulated well, but overall you have to ha- have a big, talented team. And I think the Canadians are on that path. Now, what kind of additions or moves do the Habs need to make to keep like the direction going the same way? Like, if you were tr- in charge of everything, what would you add to the roster for next season? Well, you know, I'm looking at uh, staying to my plan, and that is building through the draft. You know, he's made some good moves to to prop this team up. Not only prop this team up this year, and you you wouldn't know it by you know being you know what whatever 28th overall or 27th overall in the league, but he, he made some good moves during the draft and bringing Kirby Dock in, right? There's a great move by this general manager. They got bigger. They got more talented. Um, I would stick to the plan. They have uh, a lot of bodies that they've already drafted that uh, are going to show up to training camp here next year. Jaden Strubble from Northeastern, big D-man. Uh, one of the guys uh, who, again, he, he's not going to be a top four guy, probably a bottom pairing D, but one of those guys you need that plays physical, uh, is durable, and can be standing at the end. He did have a few injury problems in college, but just stuff like that. I, I, I would stay the path, build through the draft, and when and if you always have your radar out there for that certain type of player you would like to add to your lineup, 
that you could fit in there and it could help you um, in the process of, of changing the direction of this organization. And I'm sure uh, uh, Ken Hughes and, and Jeff Gordon uh, are on that. They're constantly looking at ways to improve and, and build this organization in, in the proper fashion. And, and if trades come up with free agent signings, you have to, but man, they got to stick to the plan of building through the draft. Now, this next question is a big topic around the NHL in the last couple of weeks. Uh, what do you think of James Reimer standing for himself, the LGBTQ narrative, and would you or did you ever sleep with a transgender woman? Well, that, that's none of anybody's business if I slept with a transgender woman or not. No, uh, no, I never did. But um, it, it, listen, if guys have their own personal beliefs, and they feel as though they don't want to take part in something like that. I totally get it. Um, you know, there are certainly um, people take umbrage to being forced to do certain things in their lives. And everybody's, oh, just do it. It's a team thing to do. Listen, some people are strong in their values and, and they don't want to do that. Uh, and I don't think they should be forced. And um, listen, there's, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this. Um, certainly NHL wants to be inclusive and I get all that, but, um, you know, I, I, I often wonder, um, you know, if some guys just do it because they don't want to make waves, but they think otherwise. So there are a few guys that just refuse to do it and, um, you have to respect them and, and what they stand for. Uh, you may not like it, but listen, that's life. I mean, you know, not everybody's going to agree with you all the time and not everybody's going to jump in line when they say jump in line. Now, if you're Bedman, do you, do you like take it away? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you make a change to it? How do you, uh, how do you listen, change that? That's how up do you to make... league, but you know, you take it away. I, I think it should be left up to each team, you know, obviously, um, you know, if you want to have a pride night then go ahead and have it. Uh, if you want to, uh, uh, maybe uh, take that, when I say risk, of an organization having to deal with something that may not be a good PR move for them. Uh, and um, really, you look at Chicago, they, they decided not to do it. Why they, listen, here, here's an organization who's had that controversy recently, and they, they probably want no part of it. So um, it, it's a touchy subject, but again, I'll go back. I'm old school. Politics and sports were never supposed to come together. They're supposed to be separate. And now we see it every day. Um, and and, and I, I just think, I, not think, that's, I feel as though politics should be kept out of sports. Now, do you think Gurnov will be offered a two-year contract from the Habs, from Richard Tuttle? But yeah, possibly. Listen, I, I think they... They made the move to get this guy. I think there's more upside than having uh, Dadnoff here. Um, you know, I think he, he's certainly a guy that uh, he has some size. He has some skill. Um, yeah, they, they're going to certainly look at the salary cap. They say it's going to go up a million, whatever, if they can fit him in where they feel he can be um, uh, an, a, a good addition for this team, and I think they will. Um, yeah, they're going to sign him. I would think. So these next set of questions are from your playing days and then your childhood and your younger years. So 
This question is from David Meyer. He says, I assume you were a Bruins fan growing up. Did you follow John Weinsick? Which player uh, taught you the most just by watching on TV? In the late 70s, was there a guy that showed you how to be the elite professional that you were? Um, John Wensink, yes, I was a Bruins fan. Yes, I followed all them guys. Uh, the guy I looked up to most was Bo- uh, Bobby Orr, obviously. Um, so he's the guy that really captured my interest in the game of hockey and the Bruins. I loved the way they played. I loved the physicality. I loved their toughness. O'Reilly, uh, John McKenzie, back in the day, not the biggest guy, but tough as nails. Um, you know, they just they had a really tough team and. Um, I, I love watching them. I, everything brewing. So, but Bobby Orr, that's the guy. Um, uh, and I honestly, I love Terry O'Reilly. Uh, and then end up playing against him for all those years and fighting him quite a few times. Um, it was a little odd when you're out there fighting one of your heroes, uh, one of the guys or mentors you looked up to. So, um, yeah, I was a Bruins fan. And listen, if the Canadians get knocked out of the playoffs or they don't make the playoffs like this year and the Bruins are in there. <clears throat> I played for them. I, I the hometown team, I, I like to see them um, do well, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, this year, uh, the Habs, obviously, <laughs> where they are and where the Bruins are, it it's kind of a bummer that they could be breaking the all-time record um, that the Canadians had back in the 70s, but you know what? Listen, they they this team is is really something. This Boston Bruins team, and um, they got to beware of the first round. That's all I'll say. You think they're the favorite to win the title this year, or do you think another team could pull it out? Yeah, any listen, anybody can win. The first round is such a, a difficult round to get through, and that's going to be, I think, I won't say their biggest hurdle, but that's going to be a huge one. Uh, that first round of the playoffs, because boy. Teams in the past who won the President's Trophy um, have all, uh, I think the last, I don't know, 11 years, 12 years, have not um, progressed to the conference final. So they lost in the first round or the second round. So um, that they have to be keenly aware of, and I'm sure they are. But this team, top to bottom, is solid. They have depth, too. Uh, guys go out of the lineup, other guys jump in and get the job done. So... I would say they're the odds-on favorite right now. This question is from True Grit. He said he was a big fan of Mike Peluso, Randy McKay, and Ken Danico. Danico. Work horses yeah. that every team needs. How were they personally? Um, listen, um, <laughs> Paluca the Duca, I loved him. Uh, he was there, protected his teammates. Um, certainly a, a, a heart and soul type of guy, emotional guy. Uh, Randy McKay, same thing. Man, that kid played hard every night, showed up, worked his butt off, could score goals, go to the net, work the puck in the corners, fight if he had to. Awesome. Danico, the same. He was the consummate New Jersey devil. Um, tough guy in the back end. Not, not overly blessed with talent, but, boy, he showed up every night and gave all he had. And, uh, yeah, those three guys, man, uh, what New Jersey Devils they were. And um, they were part of that success there. There's no question about it. A core part of that success. If you love your pet like I love my St. Bernard Adele, you'll want to feed them a balanced, biologically appropriate raw diet. The reason I've chosen Formula Raw is because all blends of their food 
are locally sourced and they consist of exclusively human-grade meat and organs, as well as fruits and vegetables. And all products used are hormone and antibiotic-free. So like I said, if you love your pet like I love Adele, you'll choose Formula Raw. Make sure you go to FormulaRaw.com and use the promo code RAWNUX at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. That's RAWNUX, R-A-W-K-N-U-X. Now this next question from Paul Millette is about a story that I've heard you tell a couple times, and it's one of my favorite stories that you've ever told. So he said, hi, Knuckles, was it you that fired a puck at Paul Baxter while in the penalty box? I'm sure it was you. If I'm not, sorry. But if I'm right, that was hilarious. Love your show. Take care. Have a nice day. Don't be sorry, because um, I'm not. Um, I, I, I hit Paul Baxter um, pretty hard behind the net in Montreal, um, just to the side of the net, behind the net, down below the goal line, against the boards. And um, he gave me an elbow, and I give him a little chop in the back of the leg. And he came back up with a stick and he got me in the eye. So I dropped my gloves and I tried to fight him. He turtled on me. Um, uh, crazy as it may seem, I, I went off balance and tried to kick him. <laughs> like make, make it look like it was off balance, uh, which was crazy. But that intensity of the moment, I, I, I was pretty angry. Anyway, we got to the penalty box. And he's telling me, I'm going to give it to you in the other eye. You wait, I'll get, I'll give it to you in the other eye. And I was just sitting there incensed. Um, and I looked down and there was a bucket of pucks frozen, you know, on ice, the big CH on him. And I looked down and I had ripped his helmet off when he was turtling. And um, I grabbed the puck and I stood up and I just rifled it right off his head. And down he went. And <laughs> the... Um, linesman at the time i think it was ron Asseltine, said what are you crazy i said yeah i am crazy and they kicked me out of the game and i'm out of the game and he goes into the infirmary to get stitched which is right across from my locker room and i heard him come down the hall and he got in on the 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 table and was starting to get stitched and i come busting through the door and security all grabbed me and dr malda was looking at me like a guy i absolutely love dr malda and he said, what are you doing? Said, ah, I'm trying to get him. And Baxter, apparently the story goes, because I met Paul afterwards and we talked about it. But um, the security all grabbed me, took me out of the room. I went back in the locker room. <clears throat> and Baxter got up off the table. And Doc said, just relax. Sit down, I'll stitch. He said, no, no, hey, I got something to do. He got up and he grabbed his stick off the floor. And he come over and he laid it right next to him. He said, go ahead. Now you can stitch me up. If he comes back through that fucking door, you're going to be stitching him up too. <laughs> so it's funny how we talked about it years later and had a laugh. But uh, yeah, some crazy days. I mean, some crazy stories from back in the day, old time hockey. The shit that happened, just you never see that today. Now, you said you guys talked about it years later and had a laugh about it. Did he have any hard feelings from the incident? No, or? not at all. Not at all. It's funny. Not at all. You know, it was cool. So you played, one, you played one regular season game in March and one playoff game in April, your rookie season, against Hartford and Gordie Howe. What was that like? Any stories from those two Just games? Just to be on the ice with him. And you know what? I didn't – I wasn't – 
you know, I knew Cordy Howe, right? And I can't believe I'm on the same ice with him. And it's actually a famous, not famous picture, but I got a great picture here on the wall that I had taken the puck from Gordy in the corner and took off and started skating up the ice with it. And you see me skating away and you see his stick up by my head. And I, people ask for that. Sometimes I sign them and, uh, I, I say, whoever to Matthew, he's lucky he missed <laughs> and I sign it. But uh, Gordy Howe, I remember Pierre LaRouche at the time was playing for the Canadians and he went up to him in the warm-up and asked him if he could have a stick. And Gordie Howe gave him a signed stick. Uh, and I was like, I'm thinking, I wouldn't do that. But you know, looking back, I wish I did. You know, But back, I was just a young kid. The last thing I was going to do was go up to Mr. Hockey or anybody else and say, hey, can I get an autograph stick? You know, But LaRouche did it. And in that playoff game, you had an altercation with Pat Boutet. Do you remember what happened in the altercation? Not or what even. led up to it? I, honestly, I cannot. I, I can't. I remember another fight I had with Boutet in Montreal. And uh, I had high sticked him and cut him. He had to get stitched. And we were standing there on a face off. And um, he's a tough little bugger. And he's lined up next to me. And. He, He's just staring at me, I mean, you know, um, just ready to, you know, play rough with him. He wanted to play rough, play rough. He was pissed I caught him. And the puck drop, and I'm thinking that nothing's going to happen. The puck drop, as soon as the puck drop, he sucked me with his glove on and rung my bell. Well, I went after him, and they, he, he, he's a little smaller than me, but he grabbed me and had me real – hugging me real tight so I was so frustrated I had him up against the boards and I was trying to punch him I couldn't and I ripped his helmet off and when I got his helmet off I just put my fingers right through his hair and I ripped as hard as I could and um it's funny when you see it on the replay his hair is after they finally John D'Amico the ref uh, the linesman is looking back at uh, I think it was Andy Van Holloman was the uh referee and he said he got it he's pulling his hair you can see the uh linesman saying it and Boutet came up his hair was all over the place and i had you know i got back in the locker room i still had hair between my fingers i ripped it right off his head must have been killing him that night all night so he had stitches and i he had a few less follicles of hair uh after that game no question about it now stanley loha man says that there's no doubt in his mind that you're the rocky of hockey he said you came into a league where there are not a lot of American players. You're drafted by the Canadians when they had one of the greatest teams in history. What was inside of you that got you over the top and got you to the NHL? It's not just fighting, yeah. I'm sure. No, it wasn't. I, and listen, fighting opened the door for me, and it opened it wide. And when I got there, it was, well, what are you going to do with it? Are you just going to be a fighter or are you going to be a hockey player? And I wanted to do both. I never forgot my job, what I had to do on the ice. I knew how to do it well. I knew when to do it, how to do it. I screwed up sometimes. There's no question about it. Uh, I cost my team at times, but I think I did my team more good than bad. Um, and, you know, I was driven to become a full-time NHL player. And I did that. I did that with the help of the organization because they weren't just um, content with me being a guy who could drop my gloves and fight and just sit on the bench. They wanted me to, to partake. They wanted to be able to put me on the ice. They helped me do that. And I owe certainly a 
debt of gratitude to my two line mates uh, who, who suffered, I'll say it, suffered through the growing pains of learning to play the game the proper way. And Bob Ganey and Guy Carbonell, two Hall of Famers who I played with, um, helped, helped me do that. They helped me in so many ways. And um, uh, we had a great line. Ken Lindsman said it to me, one of, the, one of the best, if not the best checker line in the history of the game, which I, I think was a huge compliment from Lindsman. Some people may dismiss that and say, ah, but we had a hell of a line. Uh, we could score, we could check, we were tough, we hit, we could fight. Uh, just, uh, you know, well, I could fight. <laughs> Those two guys didn't fight at all, really, but and they didn't have to. But, um, yeah, it was, um, but for me, my biggest accomplishment, I say it all the time, was that I became a full-time NHL player. And I was driven to do that, and I had the help to do it. Now, do you think playing at Northeastern and not being allowed to fight in college played a part in you growing as a hockey player and not just as a fighter, too? Now, my growth came more um, when I got here to the mm-hmm. NHL, when I got to the Canadians, and I had direction. I had uh, coaches that worked on things with me that helped me improve my game, and then coaches that put me in situations where I was able to apl- apply what I learned um, uh, and, and, and put it to good use in a game. And, you know, the, those, those, whether it was skating, handling the puck, passing the puck, shooting the puck, all those things, all these fundamental skills that I worked on every day with a coaching staff that was, um, deeply committed to wanting to see guys improve and do well and contribute to the success of the hockey team. Um, those experiences for me were invaluable. Jimmy Finger says that he was the happiest kid in the world when you got to wear the Bruins uniform. So what was that experience like for you? And did you embrace being a Bruin? And how did it feel to be embraced by the Boston fans after they hated you for so long? It felt great to be embraced by the fans. First night I came back, it was awesome. Did I, it, it felt odd being a Boston Bruin. You know, it would have been so different if I started there. It was my career started there. I, you know, um, I was near the end of my career. Uh, I, I'm glad I had the opportunity to experience it, but it wasn't. The first year was better. The beginning, then I broke my ankle, misery. Uh, second year was difficult on me. And I retired soon after. I came back to Montreal. But um, I'm glad I had the opportunity to do that, play with you know, guys I played against all these years and beat them, and Cam Neely and Ray Bork and, just have that opportunity to play along uh, such great players and Hall of Famers. It was a great experience. Um, I, I think it came too late, though, for me. Now, do you, do you wish it came earlier? Because I know you always say that you never no, wanted to I, leave Montreal. I, I, listen, I don't look back and say, oh, I wish, you know, like I could have played for the Bruins instead of the Canadians. No. Um, yeah, I, I just I never wanted to leave or play for anybody else after I became a Montreal Canadian. So, yeah, it's just the way it was. I mean, if I was drafted by the Bruins and I went there, I would have hated the Canadians much as I hated the Bruins when I played, believe me. So these more, next these next set more. of questions are from more about your personal life and, and hobbies. So the first question is from Colby, Colby, and he, and he said, do you have any health issues from your troubled years? 
uh, my troubled years, health issues, uh, but some, but most of my uh, physical health issues came from playing the game, you know. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's about it, you know, the pain, the, the you know, arthritis and stuff like that that I deal with on a daily basis, but uh, I do it in a healthy way now instead of unhealthy way. How's your golf game? My golf game is just okay. I'm like a 15 handicap. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a pretty good putter. I'm working on my short game. I'm trying to get the slice corrected. All those things. Things I've, I've never taken a lesson, and I really should, but I love the game of golf. I love getting out with guys that, um, three other guys, and having a good day, shooting the shit, joking around, little competition. Um, you know, I can get around the golf course. Okay. But you know, you always want to be better, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what's it take to be better? Practice, 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 practice. And that I don't do enough. So what's your handicap? 15. I said, that's that's pretty good. So, and this is kind of another, this is another question from David Meyer, but same topic playing golf. Do you have a regular foursome? And who would you have in a regular foursome if distance if distance was not an issue? If distance, well, if um, like if you can get anybody in in the world oh, in the for world. a foursome, wow. Um, so I know you just played yeah, in the I uh, played with Jack some Nicholas. regular guys. Yeah. My, my friend John Kane is his, his brother um, Dalton, uh, good players. Uh, friend of mine here, I played with them over at Kanawaki or in Summerlee up here in Montreal. Um, Kanawaki's on the reservation where they live. Uh, very good friends. And I play with them quite a bit. Uh, and, um, you know, um, the game itself, who the four guys I would play with, other than my regular group, um, I guess I would like to play with. Who would I like to play with? Putin. No. Um, <laughs> um, Chelios. He seems like he'd be very fun to golf with. Yeah. Chelios, Tom Brady. And let me think, who could that other guy be? Um, who do I like? Oh, John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. Now you played because, in the, uh, cause we would piss ourselves laughing. He is so funny. You played in the Jack Nicholas tournament a couple of weekends ago. Who was uh, your foursome in that? Um, friends from Montreal, uh, my good friend, Jim Barrier, And, um, uh, we, we ended up uh, playing with Aaron Wise, 2018 rookie of the year in, um, in uh, the PGA Tour. So uh, he was an awesome guy, a lot of fun. Uh, had the opportunity to meet Fowler, a few guys. Ricky Fowler, you see him on TV, the, the outfit, the whole thing. I really liked him as a person. He was, he was really so open, spoke. He, he was just a nice guy. We talked to him before a little bit. Then we crossed paths on the course, and he was just, you know, he treated everybody so well. He was awesome. Uh, and, and you look at him, 
And he's not a big guy, right? But boy, he got up and hit the ball. When I throw <laughs> the ball, I'm like, what the hell? How does this, how do you get like that? And I know how you get like that. Some of it's God-given, natural talent, and then practice. But it's a whole different, whole different thing. And um, yeah, it, it, it was cool. So there's two questions left here. One of them is, which Habs player or coach would you like to come on the show that has not yet? Habs player or coach? Um, I think, um, and we will have him, Yuresh Slapkowski. Uh, I definitely want to have this kid. Uh, incredible what he's done in his life, his young life. You know, playing the NHL at 18 years old is insanity. What is even crazier is that this kid was living in Finland on his own at 14 years old in an apartment. And, and talk about, like, how does that happen? He lived on his own, um, you know. <laughs> I'm dying to ask him, like, cooking and all that. He would always call his mother. You know, Mom, what do I, if he had a question, he said, I'd call my mother. She would have, I've, I've heard him uh, speak about that. And to me, that's incredible. And I think I was 14 years old. You kidding me? I was a juvenile delinquent. And it, living on my own, I would have burned the house down. So, uh, you know, impressive kid. And I certainly, um, we're going to have him. He'll be on with us, no question. I mean, I can speak to that. I'm a 22-year-old college student. I struggle to live on my own. I don't make any of my own yeah. food. So <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing what he's doing. And one across Craft. the world. And then and then having yeah, to a, deal with the schedule of this, like <laughs> practice games, everything like that would be, that'd be a lot. Yeah. He did it. So this is the last question here. And it's why did you replace the Lafleur Jersey with an or Jersey on the raw knuckles podcast? Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm not hating on Bobby Orr. just wondering. Well, if you look, I replaced the oil one too, uh, with Yankee boy, the Yankee boy t-shirt is in reference to my coach, Claude Urell. Um, my first year, one of the guys that really helped me work uh, on those skills of the game I was talking about. He used to call me, Yankee boy, let's go, Yankee boy. we got to get on the heist. Let's go. Let's go, Yankee boy. Come on, my Yankee boy. So he called me Yankee boy all the time, and I absolutely, I loved it. You know, it was, I was like, it was almost like I was the teacher's pet with him. He just loved how, how I came to work every day. He had fun doing it. Uh, he helped Rod Langway when Rod Langway – one, you know, uh, Norris Trophy winning defenseman who who came into the league at, as a young kid out of college, and Claude worked with him too, and he just he loved guys that came into the rink, and and would just, you know, work hard every day and and be there, and be available to him as a coach. Some guys had to be there, but some guys whole hummed it. At time. I just every drill I did, he drilled it in to me to 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 work and improve and really work at it so yeah that's yankee boy but lafleur or or is a guy my hero growing up lafleur i absolutely love him great teammate great person i i absolutely loved guy lafleur and you know i switch switch out the jerseys i'll you know i had ray bork on there when we had uh, porky borky on and i'll um i'll continue to switch them out depends uh you know the sun comes up uh what i'll do we'll see who we put up here alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive.
everybody thanks for listening to the raw knuckles podcast we'd really appreciate it if you'd like subscribe and share with a friend